For years, I've shared my story with many of you. A story rich in struggle and perseverance. As a child, I was met with immeasurable odds. Born in the city of Goldsboro, North Carolina, and raised by my grandmother. Despite her efforts to protect me from desperate conditions, I was exposed to violence, incest, crack addiction, and a whole lot of other shit a young soul should never have to endure. At times, I don't know if I'm haunted by my past or if it's my superpower. At age six, I had a self-proclaimed prophecy that the world would know my name. I'm still fulfilling that prophecy. I'm here to do what I've always done, give you my story with the hope that it changes the world, or at least the world around you. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's your King Forever Burrow. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at I Am Forever Burrow. There you'll find all my latest posts and content. Yeah, I want to talk about entrepreneurship, right? I think that in today's society, right, within our culture, is this sense of wanting more, right? Wanting to be self-sufficient, wanting to be independent, and uh, wanting a sense of ownership. And I think it's great. I think it is healthy for our community. I think it is healthy for our overall culture. I hope that we all aspire uh, to own something in our lives, right? Because we don't own our own lives, right? And not to get preachy, but um, God is in control. The sooner you understand that God is in control, the more in control of your life you become. So I think it's important that we continue the conversation around generational wealth. I also think it's important that we continue the conversation around financial literacy, right? And however you choose to receive that information is fine, right? There's a lot of guys who listen to uh, EYL, right? Which is one of my favorite podcasts uh, in regards to financial literacy. Uh, and I love who they have on the show. We've had everyone from Rick Ross to Steve Harvey to some really big, powerful hitters in the uh, investment and stock space and even venture capitalism, right? They've had a lot of people uh, on the podcast and, and the show and put together a lot of conferences to spread uh, knowledge around financial literacy. Uh, shout out to John Hope Bryant in Operation Hope, right? I came across um, uh, John Hope Bryant in the book, The Wealth Choice. So I think the conversation around financial literacy needs to be had. So and in that, you know, we talk about generational wealth, right? A lot of us come from families where we have not accumulated generational wealth. No trust funds have been passed down to us. No businesses or investment portfolios, right, have not been passed down from generation to generation, right? You know, it's even rare uh, nowadays to find a black family heirloom, right? So we are a long way from establishing succession in, in generational wealth. And I'm, I'm very inspired to believe that it's going to start with us, right? It's going to start with the guys uh, right now that are hungry, that have had some success in, in business and career, are looking to create their own paths and in, in, in companies and in, in, in just niche um, services and products, right? I think the concept of business is really simple. Um, when I think of business, I think about product. I think about services. Most businesses operate in that model, right? They either offer you a product 
or they offer you a service, right? I happen to be in the service sector. I feel like if you do it really well, right? Meaning you focus on providing the best customer experience. If you focus on establishing great processes, if you focus on bringing in good talent, Right. And notice I said good talent, because sometimes you're going to have to develop great talent. And then there's times when you can bring in great talent. Right. But bring in the right talent, bring in the right people. And more important than skill set, bring in someone with the right mindset. Right. A lot of success is really determined by your mindset. You know, there's millions of people who are great at Excel and creating pivot tables and V lookups and, and, you know, et cetera. And there's people who are really great at accounting and, and creating um, statements and, you know, uh, understanding financials, right? Business financials, right? But more important than any skill set is your mindset. I can be very skilled at something, but if my mindset isn't just as powerful, then I won't advance in life pretty far. That's my that's my observation, right? I would rather have a strong mindset than a strong skill set. And I think that's a testament of my life. I may have not been the most skillful person in the room, but I had the best mindset. And I find myself in that situation a lot. One thing that I've always known about myself is that I'm very observant. I um learned that as a young child, I was very quiet. I really took the time to be inquisitive and curious and um, listen, more importantly. And I would overhear conversations at times that I shouldn't have. And I would see things at a very young age that forced me to understand the world at a level beyond a child's understanding. And so when I think about the journey that I've been on, right? And I've said this before that most people uh, would not have survived right? And it's because you have to develop a certain mindset to make it out of the junk. And it's important that in business, you have the right mindset, right? You look at opportunities, you collaborate to find solutions. You have a mindset to persevere through the challenges. You have the mindset to move forward through adversity. You have the mindset to go all out and take a loss to get back up and do it again. You got to have the mindset that struggle is success. You really have to train your mind to endure obstacles, adversity, opportunities, because to achieve something great, you have to first endure great struggle, right? It's a rite of passage, so to speak. And so we have to work on our mindsets, right? And a lot of us just from being black in America had no option but to create grit and resilience and ambition and drive to endure everyday life, right? And in business is no it's no it's no other formula, right? You you have to have these things in order to be successful in business and in life, right? So I really love the fact that I am seeing more uh from my culture and and, and information is everything, right? If you want uh, to keep a people from progressing, you withhold information. You withhold information about their lineage. You withhold information about religion. 
You withhold information about financial literacy. You withhold information about generational wealth. When you want to handicap a people, you control their thought. And by controlling their thought, you have to control their information consumption. Or you have to manipulate the information that they are receiving. And I think we can attest to the fact that blacks have been manipulated and withheld information for hundreds of years in America. Now that we live in the age of information being at your fingertip, we have to take the initiative to go out there and seek the information, go find the information, right? And when you find a collective body of people who are also interested in finding out uh, that information, you create a platform uh, to share, right? And to collaborate. And that's how you create growth. You know, that's how you create sustainability, right? Those things are vital in business and in life. I love what I see. You know, we are a growing community of entrepreneurs. I love where we're going as a culture. I love the fact that we're seeking financial literacy we're seeking generational wealth and ways to create that for our families i'm excited to see that we're seeking business we're seeking ownership we're seeking stake in company it's only up from here right you know when i'm asked about braxton logistics right or brax industries when i talk about my corporation i talk about a platform that's used to propel the careers of supply chain professionals. And I talk about an organization ran by a black man that empowers black executives. Now, I want you to understand that when I say empowers black executives, that's exactly what I mean, right? And I feel confident about that statement. And I'm gonna bring you guys back to a year or so ago, and the CEO of one of the top five banks in the country talked about African-Americans that were available in the talent pool to run a top five bank and that there was none, right? There was some backlash for that. The truth of the matter is he was correct, but why is he correct? Because corporations marginalize black managers. The proof is in the numbers. Look at your Fortune 500 companies and look at the roles from director to CEO. And as you get past general management, right, mid-level management, and you get more into senior level management, blacks become less of a percentage across the board in those roles, right? It's in the numbers. It's not a lie. I'm not making this up. You can go and look at this information yourself. Companies have put together campaigns around diversity and inclusiveness, right, to tackle these low percentages of African-Americans and women in positions of director and above. But the truth is, it's not going to happen. Oh, this is not me being pessimistic. No, this is the reality of, of what we've been dealing with in corporate America. And I think it's important that we be very transparent. Since we started tracking the Fortune 500, there has only been a handful of black CEOs. Currently, there are only three black CEOs of all of the Fortune 500. So your likelihood as a black manager in corporate America or a black employee in corporate America to become a CEO is less than 1%. That's real. That's, that's real factual data, less than 1%. And when you look at executives and, and senior leadership, the representation is low. So if we're not marginalizing, what are we doing? The talent isn't there. That's BS. What happens is corporations do not invest into black talent. Think about large companies and think about the programs that they have 
for entry-level management roles for recent graduates. They bring them into programs within companies, and they rotate them around the company, and they allow them to gain skill in different facets of the company and find their niche or what it is they like to do. And then they are placed into those positions permanently after the program ends. And now they're off to create their career within that corporation and continue to learn skills and continue to seek roles of advancement and opportunity and exposure. And they are consistently promoted within the company. Now you think about how many black people come from those cohorts. Not a lot. But as you progress throughout your career, exposure is everything. Being in the right position is everything. And you have to be given an opportunity uh, to show what you have. And if you don't speak the same language, right, which is a very fair statement because a lot of black people in corporate America are bilingual, right? We speak the language of our community and then we speak the corporate language, right, in jargon. And so we have to be bilingual and we can't come off too aggressive and we can't come off stereotypical. We're busy trying to figure out how to act and how to communicate more than we are gaining skill and development to lead at higher levels within the company, right? Because we're busy trying to fit into a box that they have designed for us. And so as you move farther up that ladder, you see less and less blacks. And that's fine, right? Because as a culture, we have to figure out what the solution is for that. If we know who our opponent is or who our opposition is or what our adversity is, then we must come up with ways through strategy and occupation to change that, right? So in the 1960s and 70s, African-Americans, black Americans went to college in droves. Uh, They attended HBCUs. They attended some of the top PWIs and they went and got degrees in engineering and medicine and science. And they got to corporations that existed and asked for jobs. And they were often not taken serious. They were often given the harder assignments with the higher risk of failure and they were marginalized. And so the likelihood of them advancing within the company becomes very, very low. And then there's that corporate burnout, which is a real thing. And so you become a survivor in an environment and not someone who's thriving. And that alone is going to keep you from moving up that corporate ladder, right? So what do we have to do? Well, we went to school, we got their degrees, we joined their corporations, we were marginalized, but we saw that coming. So the next step is to do what? It's to start owning corporations. If the odds of me becoming the CEO of an existing Fortune 500 company is less than 1%, then the likelihood of me becoming the CEO of my own corporation is 100% because the only obstacle between me and being the CEO of my own Fortune 500 company is me. So we have to start creating leverage as a culture. Owning a business is leverage. Owning stock is leverage. Owning real estate is leverage. We have to understand how to leverage for resources. You as an individual will never have the leverage of a corporation. So you have to figure out how to gain that leverage. You have to go and create the platform that you need to be successful. See, you have to go and create the table. See, a lot of times we want a seat at the table so we can look at everybody at the crowd and say, hey, I made it. I'm at the table. But in all actuality, you're at someone else's table. So we have to go and create our own table. 
and be the head at that table. And we have to empower the people around that table. Right. And it collectively as a culture, as a body, as an organization, as a corporation, we grow and we scale. And now we have real leverage. Now that board room looks a lot different. Now the people who are electing the CEO look a lot different. People who are making decisions for the company look different. And I will tell you, that the advantage swings to the black American, right? Because when we're in those boardrooms and they don't look like that, the leverage or the momentum is swung to someone that they can identify with. Whether they do it consciously or subconsciously, they will identify with their likeness. And so we have to create these corporations to do just that, right? Identify with our likeness. And I don't want this to be perceived as a race conversation. No, this is a cultural conversation. This is a conversation about family. This is a conversation about structure, order, and discipline. Things that other ethnicities have been doing for years. This is about equity. This is about business. I just want the takeaway for what I'm saying today is to be, hey, I'm going to go start my own company made my first meal on my own i don't need your help shout out to nipsey and then we got to take those corporations and create the platforms that we need in order to create pipelines of black talent right to be able to create generational wealth for families who have control within the corporation and have leverage and to do any of that it starts with the right mindset remember mindset of a skill set all right it's been real you could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be right here with me. And for that, I am grateful and I appreciate your time and I appreciate you. All right. Love.